And we are back to discuss more Mandalorian. This time, Preston, we finally got some story development. A lot of it. Oh, oh, really? Like what? Are you talking about background on, on the Mandalorian culture? Background on the Mandalorian culture. What's been going on with Mandalorians in general post mm. the, uh, the Empire Schism? On, on the planet, the Darksaber, Moff Gideon, uh, the state of the Empire, and where Mando needs to go next in order to bring the child to his people. Yes, yes. Though, doesn't it seem like the Mandalorian is just getting kind of like constantly roped into stuff? Like, he's, you know, he, he's constantly desperate, like, like, oh, you've got to do this, and then we'll, we'll tell you how to find, how to, like, you know, your people. And then it's like the next thing. It's like, well, you get roped into something more to find out more about his people, you know? And it just, it goes on and on and on. Like that he just keeps having to do all of these different tasks for, I don't know, this, this breadcrumbs that never seem to lead anywhere. Well, to be fair, I, last episode, episode two, the passenger, that felt more like a side quest. I feel like we got finally to the main quest. Yeah. But so when he finished his quest, and he was supposed to get, the, you know, knowledge about these Mandalorians, but instead the frog woman just sends him to a bar where he has to hire, where he has to like bribe some more people to get the Mandalorians. Like, I, I was under the impression that that frog woman would hook him up and the frog woman sends him to the freaking bar. Well, no, the, her husband sends him in there uh, where yeah. he could find information on them because apparently he's seen them and they're on Thrask and that's it. And then he yeah, just tells yeah. him to go. By the way, I also love how um, the Moncala species, the Corrin and the uh, the Moncalamari, Admiral Akbar's people, they're all dock workers. I, I found that really mm. cool because they can, you know, dive underwater and do all this stuff and they thrive on water planets. Yeah, no, I thought I thought the look of their planet was pretty cool. I, I, I liked it a lot. I do like how they started animating um, the tentacles, you know, like it's not like in Return of the Jedi, their tentacles were, were animated like that. But but now they are. I guess the, the, all the all the technology from um, Pirates of the Caribbean. And before we start, real quick, I want to give a big shout out to my buddy Braden Parsons. Uh, he's a Make a Wish kid, and he uh, that it was his wish for us to shout him out on the podcast. So happy uh, happy 18th birthday, buddy! I hope you live to 19. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, so let's start with the uh, episode. Um, yeah. Once at Thrask, the frog lady reunites with her husband, and the Mandalorian boards a fishing ship following a clue he had on other Mandalorians. Uh, by the way, on this frog thing, not to interrupt right at the beginning, but uh -huh. did wasn't the whole point of getting the, the eggs to this planet so they could be fertilized? And then they My arrive heaven. on the dock, and they're already fucking fertilized. I, I mean... That's a good, that's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> like you could see they showed the eggs and they showed like little things inside them, like on the dock. Like those look like fertilized eggs to me. I don't know if like they arrived on the dock and then, you know, there was some scene that we didn't see of like the, the, the daddy just immediately splooged in the, in the bucket and, and fertilized him like immediately. But like, that was the whole point, right? They, I think they just screwed up on continuity. Like, she was supposed to get to that planet for the fertilization, and she arrives, and they're fertilized on the dock. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, I, I don't know what you want from me, Justin, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> you, want, you want a scene where a, fit, or a frog man jerks off into a, a, a bowl? That's what you want? This is where we are? 
Yes. <laughs> yes, well, that's exactly... Well, you showed know. Showed me. I mean, if, if he... I think if they just showed the fertilization a little later, it was very fast development of their species, but whatever. Okay, it's fine. <sighs> Damn, you're very nitpicky, fuck. That's a nitpicky, <laughs> nitpicky. Could you imagine? I mean, let's put it another way. Like, I need to get home so my so my husband can can impregnate me, and then she arrives on the dock and she's pregnant. You'd be like, oh, that's some continuity problems, right? And it's, it, I can't wait till people the, clip you saying that. By the way, and use it's it the, against it's you the, the equivalent. It's the equivalent of the exact same thing. Anyways, the Mandalorian <laughs> gets on the ship. Which, by the way, one of the very few moments in Star Wars where we see characters getting on like a, a seafaring vessel. This is one of the very few rare moments where we see this. But yeah. uh, he gets. Oh, on but uh, by, by the way, I chuckled at the at the at the ship. Like it gets down to the landing pla- pad and then like falls into the water. I oh, yeah, I laughed good. at that. That was some good stuff. That was some Star Wars slapstick at its best. That, that I, was, I, I like that too. That was hilarious. Yeah. When he's when he's coming on when he's coming in on the planet with the frog lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was that was that was good. That was good. But uh, Mando gets ambushed by the Quarians on the ship, and when they like, he uses the the hook to push like, Baby whoa, Yoda. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Mandalorian is double crossed for people that want to steal his armor. Either it's his armor or the child or both. I, uh, <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah. is he going to get double cross? Is is this going to happen? Because just, uh, just, I mean, he should be expecting it every time now. He really like, should be. And quite frankly, every time like he's like with people and they don't double cross him, it's going to be really suspenseful because you're the entire time you're going to be thinking, "Fuck, are they going to turn on him? Wh- when's the double cross coming? When's the, right? When does it come? And if it doesn't come, you're going to be suspicious the entire time in the next episodes." But yeah. um, no, the, he's ambushed, and all all hope seems lost. The child was eaten by this squid monster thing, and Mando is about to drown. But they are rescued by three other Mandalorians, whose leader is Bo-Katan. And uh, she's very important to people who are fans of the Clone Wars and Rebels as well. And they the, the, actri- the actress, of course, is very famous from Battlestar Galactica. But... Katie, um, Katie Sackhoff? Yes. I love her. I don't know why. I feel like I've seen her in other things before, but I just have a huge crush uh, she, on her. She so, was in Riddick? Yeah, she um, was. Yeah. I know um, her as Kimberly um, in the bootleg Power Rangers thing done by that one guy. He always does like these bootleg versions of like uh, franchises, and uh, she was great in that. Um, but no, I love her. She's, she's, oh, she's you, so but awesome. But you also, I mean, do you still love her when, she, when she's not a blonde? I know that you... Uh, I have a weakness for blondes, um, being being a Latin American, and you know, not not to stereotype, but Latin Americans really have weaknesses for blondes. That is true. <laughs> uh, uh, nice blondes <laughs> and big booties. So uh, yes, I still love her even as a uh, short-haired redhead. Okay. <laughs> Do you know that she was married to Carl Urban? Let's not ruin it. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> Bo Katan, uh, she wants the Mando's help in seizing weapons from an Imperial Imperial freighter in exchange for information on the Jedi. And after boarding the ship, Bo-Katan reveals that their main objective is to capture the ship along now, with now, the weapons. Hold, hold on. She, she, they have to save the Mandalorian twice, which is really weird. I have to say it was really kind of weird how, how they like save him and then it's like, I want nothing to do with you. You're the wrong type of Mandalorians. And you're like, okay. And then five minutes later, he has to get saved again. And to be like, fair, okay, I don't think he was gonna 
Well, well, to be fair, the Quarians on the ship had him, and they were drowning him, but in a straight-up firefight, I didn't really think he needed help when those other Quarians back on land ambushed him. Right, so so the first time where he's really saved, you know, he blows him off, and then the second time where, you know, he probably could have handled it, he, he, he gives in and has, has, has lunch with them or whatever, drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, their motive is to, their main objective is to capture the ship, uh, along with the weapons for their war effort, to reconquer Mandalore. And realizing that, Gideon instructs the captain of the ship to crash it. Uh, his efforts are stopped by Bo-Katan, who inquires him about the whereabouts of the Dark Saber, but the captain commits suicide. Which, it, it's not a, it's not a, like an acid poison capsule or whatever, it's like an electric one that like kills him mm-hmm. instantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a... Uh... Why? So why is the isn't the dark saber just like a lightsaber? What? Why is it so important? So essentially, the dark saber is basically a symbol of Mandalore. You know, it's it's oh, like you have it, and it's like people take you seriously and they pay attention. I see. It's like Blackfire. Yes, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it actually a lightsaber? or Is it something else? I guess you could say it's like a. It, yes and no. <laughs> it works. It functions like a lightsaber. Um, but it's just darker and cooler, I guess. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Got. I mean, you know, I guess they call it a dark saber, right? So, uh, opposite of a lightsaber. It, but it's, it's still. But it's still a. It's still a laser sword, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> does it does it work reverse? Does it like suck in the light rather than? admitting the light i think if that happened if, if it was like a little black hole sword i think everybody would be fucked yeah 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 maybe use anti-photons instead of photons i don't know Preston, what's your problem today <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just ask questions what's going on i'm now? not i no, i'm just you know <laughs> i i wanted to know about the, like why is this dark saber so important like everybody was was creaming their pants when when um you know esposito like Opened up his his. Yeah. Um, well, we'll uh, get to that. Tie we'll fighter that. with with the, with the with the dark saber. I will. I'll get to that. I'll get to the okay. history of it okay. in a minute. Okay. So, okay. Bo-Katan offers the Mandalorian a place in her ranks, but he refuses, and she instructs him to meet Jedi Ahsoka Tano in the city of uh, Kaladan on the forest planet of Corvus. Uh, with the razor, razor Quest partially repaired, which I thought was hilarious, the Mandalorian and the child depart from Thrast to continue their journey. So a couple of things. Once again, uh, the Darksaber is like a Mandalorian thing. So long time ago, I guess Old Republic era, uh, the Jedi found uh, someone who was Force-sensitive on the planet of Mandalore, and they recruited one of the first Mandalorian Jedi ever. And this guy mm. essentially made the Darksaber. And over time, I guess as he you know, he died of natural causes or whatever, the Jedi just kept the Darksaber in the hall, um, the, Jedi, the Jedi Temple, and eventually... Later on, Mandalorians broke into the Jedi Temple, stole it, and went back to Mandalore to try and essentially use it as, like, a symbol. Whoever has it basically is like, you know, oh, this guy is potential to be the next leader. That's why Bo-Katan kind of wants it. She wants it back because not only is it a Mandalorian heirloom, but also because she wants to be the new ruler of Mandalore. And that kind of legitimizes her claim a little bit. Gotcha. Gotcha. So she wants to be Sword of the Morning or whatever. Pretty much. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, okay, and so uh, 
So Mando is going to end up with it in the end. Is that is that the idea? <laughs> I, I I hope not. I hope Bo-Katan takes it because I, as a kid, I grew up watching Clone Wars. And this is all really... To actually see a character from that like animated show on screen, and it's the same voice actress too, is, oh, is, is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. I'm pretty okay. sure it's the same voice actress. I think they did a... Um, yes, it's the same voice actress. And I'm actually glad they did that. And I hope we get to see more of that. But we also learn another thing about uh, Mandalorians in general. Uh, Mando doesn't take off his helmet, but they did. Right. So, so when when they did this, the, the first thing I thought of was actually Spock. Right. Um, so a lot of times we get one character from a species, and we assume, based on that one character, that all other people from that species are going to be similar. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, with Spock. Everyone's like, well, all Vulcans must act like Spock. But if you actually think about Spock's backstory, it's really unique. He's half human, half Vulcan. He's, he's in Starfleet. He's a science officer. His, his, his father is, you know, a big deal. Like, like, he's not a normal Vulcan. So why should we assume that all Vulcans act like him? Because all he, Romulans act the same? Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? In and all Klingons too. <laughs> in real life, we shouldn't we shouldn't do this. Um, um, my my wife was in the Peace Corps, and and she she always complained like, you know, you plop you plop somebody in a village, and if you're if you're a good Peace Corps volunteer, like you might be the only pe- like person this entire village ever sees from America, and so like you represent that whole country. The thing mm-hmm. is, is like. Like any group of people, there's good people and there's fuck-ups. So sometimes there's like some, you know, alcoholic 22-year-old kid who arrives in, in some village and it's just, and it's just complete fuck-up. And everybody's like, man, America's filled with fuck-ups, you know? <laughs> so the thing is, is like, we assume that Mando is a typical Mandalorian. But this is interesting to find out that he's actually part of a, a like a, a small break-off cult and doesn't represent the, the the all of the Mandalorians. Right. That's essentially what this is. Um, you know, the Mandalorians, for the longest time, were a warlike people, and then they became pacifists. But there were breakaway groups that didn't really believe that. And for the longest time, there was a theory that um, Mando, or Mandal- Din, Din Din Djarin, would actually belong to a, to like the the remnants of Darth Maul's Mandalorian group, Death Watch. He took it over. Death Watch was essentially an extremist Mandalorian group who believed that Mandalore being pacifist or were ridiculous and goes against their entire culture and way of life. So the Death Watch people were just basically, you know, the Mandalorians that we knew about from history. Um, and yeah. they wanted to go back to that. Darth Maul took it over. And that's why the armor has the little spikes on her head. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because she belonged to that group. Um, but apparently that's not true. Death Watch is the extremist group. Um, but apparently there's another group within the Mandalorian, you know, culture and society. They follow essentially the same tenets of Death Watch, you know, that Mandalore should be a warrior-like people. But they're not extremists, called the Children of the Watch. And it's it, it kind of confused me because you have Death Watch and then you have Children of the Watch, so... Eh? Yeah, she called, she called them, yeah, Children of the Watch, right? Mm-hmm. But there are, there are different Mandalorians who can, like, take off their helmets, and Bo-Katan belongs to one of them. So Boba Fett, you know, bring it back to him, because he's actually our first uh, Mandalorian that we've ever met. Boba Fett may not be um, 
he may not be a traitor by taking off his helmet. Um, you know, he might actually be like just of a different sect. So we actually went through group. this uh, last season, but yeah. it's it's been confirmed that Boba Fett and Jango were not true Mandalorians. Apparently, according to this Chancellor of Mandalore, I forgot the name, he actually tells Obi-Wan uh, during the Clone Wars animated series um, that Jango wasn't a true Mandalorian, just some random guy who stole Mandalorian armor. So you're saying that Boba Fett is closer to Timothy Oliphant than, than anything else? Pretty much. Like a random dude... Who happened to be home? It just—it seems very odd, considering that, like, you know, Django has Mandalorian armor, and then Boba just decides to to follow in his footsteps with a different set of Man- Mandalorian armor. I think it's you know? the same Mandalorian armor. It's just worn out over the ages. I'm pretty sure it's and the same. Different color, painted differently. I, I guess I, nah, it, I, I, I swear it's the same. I feel I like mean, it is. At, at least the helmet is. At least the, I'm sure that maybe the helmet and J- I mean I have to look at look at a picture. I know that Django has um, more body armor than Boba Fett. Like mm-hmm. like Django Fett actually has like big metal boots and stuff like that. Well, Boba Fett does not. Boba Fett just has like you know uh, pants, regular pants on, mm-hmm. um, some khakis. That he picked up at Old Navy. When Timothy, Timothy Oliphant was wearing all that crap, like, I just, it just, it looked silly on him. It really did. Like, it looked fucking ridiculous. Right, he, he looked, he looked skinny and, yeah. He just, um, it looked out of place. Like, the scarf, it just, it just looked silly. <laughs> it yeah, looked silly. so, like, like, Boa Fett definitely has, like, cargo pants on and, not, and while Django Fett has, like, metal plating all down his legs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, they're definitely, but I will say that like the the shape of everything else seems to be pretty similar. Um, so maybe it's the same arm, maybe it's the same breastplate and helmet and stuff, but that he's just repainted. Mm-hmm. Also, in the episode, we also learned that um, the Empire—they're still very fanatical, even more so. Uh, I don't know the name of that captain. I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, Bosch, the guy from Bosch. Uh, his name is Titus Welliver. He, uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're right. He's, um, he was also Jimmy, Jimmy Olive. Oh, I'm going to fucking butcher this. Sorry, Irish guys. Uh, Jimmy O'Feelan in Sons of Anarchy and, uh, and Bosch. Yeah, you're right. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, I've always seen him in like everything. And he's always like that one guy. That's where I know him from. He was the man in black and lost. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he just looks like an Imperial guy. But uh, we see that Moff Gideon is not taking any shit anymore. Apparently, they've been attacked by Mandalorians before. And Moff Gideon just basically tells him, just throw him in the ocean. Fuck it. Kill them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's strange. He didn't fe- he didn't really fear death at all, which kind of goes against like anytime you see like the fearful um, captain or admiral in front of Darth Vader, like if they're all zealots ready to die. Shouldn't they not really be scared of Darth Vader? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Which shows you like how fanatical this sect of the Empire is. Gideon is most likely a warlord with his own splinter group from the Empire. Yeah. And even like years after the Empire fell, it's funny that Bo-Katan is still trying to retake Mandalore. Because she kind of succeeded uh, in the waning days of the Clone Wars. We actually see Ahsoka and Bo-Katan uh, lay siege to Mandalore to remove Darth Maul's groups. And it works, but then the Empire comes in and just takes it from her again. So, yeah, I mean, 
it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, as time goes on, things are going slow now, but it's pretty clear that as, as the series goes on, we're going to be talking about uh, Mandalorian politics and, and these, these characters are all going to come together mm-hmm. and, and, you know, somehow it's all going to fit together. Boba Fett and what's, what's, what's the woman's name from this episode? Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan and Mandalore and the Darksaber and all of this is all going to somehow fit together. Somehow. The other interesting thing is that we finally get uh, the name drop of Ahsoka Tano. Now, this is all Dave Filoni's characters. When, when yeah. Episode 3 ended, Dave Filoni and George Lucas came together, and he and George Lucas wanted the Clone Wars to be told on screen, on Cartoon Network, all that stuff, and Dave Filoni made all these characters. When Ahsoka Tano first came on screen in like the movies, um, and then on the television show, everybody hated her, but now she's one of the most beloved characters in Star Wars, like rivaling uh, fan favorites like Chewbacca and even fucking R2. You know, she's, she's up there yeah. and she's yeah, never she, been, she, she's, she's got the tentacle heads, like the, like the dancing girls in Jabba's palace. No, those are the Twi'leks. She is the, um, uh, she's the shock T, uh, Soka Tana. Let me look her up and give you a, uh, uh, a, uh, idea of what she, uh, what she looks like, but no, she's, she's essentially a fan favorite character. And, uh, Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she still has like long tentacle things, but like right. But it's not. You're, I mean, you're right that it's not exactly the same as the dancing girls from from. Uh, I, sent, I sent you a picture on uh, yeah on yeah. Uh, Facebook with uh, Bo-Katan and Ahsoka together. Wow, they they really they really made her look um, the 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 exact same. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So so this this episode was like people that are into the Clone Wars. Um, oh, this was fan service. This was fan service cream in their pants episode. Oh, fuck yeah. And Rosario Dawson plays an older version of Ahsoka. Is she, or she will? Mm-hmm. Okay. But Rosario Let's Dawson see. did not voice Ahsoka, so. Oh, oh, oh. But oh. yeah, we, we finally got um, some story, and I, I, would, I would argue this is one of the best episodes of Mandalorian so far. Right up there mm-hmm. with episode one of season one. I personally think. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, so, you don't think so so well, I'm 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 not in the same universe, right? So mm-hmm. like, I definitely liked the fact that there was there was some some meat to the, to the plot, you know, learning mm-hmm. about these different sects of Mandalorians and and hearing about the dark saber and having our villain appear and things like that. I, I liked all of that. Um, I'm trying to think if I like. Uh, on the other stuff, like I, I like the design of the planet. I thought that was all fine. I just, I, I don't know about the, the taking of the ship kind of thing. Um, like it was just kind of, you know, random stormtrooper fodder. Um, when are stormtrooper was... never fodder? Well, I'm, we, we've been over this before. It was not until Return of the Jedi that stormtroopers were idiots. Okay, you know, in well, Star true, Wars, but the, yeah, like I say, in store in Star Wars, uh, Obi Wan specifically says that the stormtroopers um, are very precise in how they shoot, and yes, they they seem to miss our heroes because they wanted them to escape in, from the Death Star. That was intentional. They were intentionally missing, um, and then in Empire Strikes Back, they slaughter everybody. So like. The stormtroopers are great. It's only until Return of the Jedi where they're just absolute bumbling idiots, like just absolute idiots. 
Um, and then, so, and then, you know, like the whole joke last season of having the stormtroopers try to hit that can and they can't hit the can like that, <laughs> you know? And so like them being like, Oh, stormtroopers. And they, he didn't say they couldn't hit the side of the barn, but they said something else. Right. The Bantha. Like, Bantha. Right. It's obviously supposed to be the same thing, but like, but stormtroopers are not supposed, like they're not supposed to be at least according to Star, you know, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, like jokes. They're supposed to be highly trained, you know, military guys. But here they just kind of see. Smart. I don't think they're highly trained. I think they're adequately trained. And the where where stormtroopers really excel is just mobbing you with numbers, right? That's why but you have like not, death they're troopers. They're not zombies. They're supposed to have precise shooting. Like they're supposed I know, to be but, trained military guys. Right. They're technically soldiers, but they're not really soldiers. They're more like a, a, a glorified militia in a sense. Because, yes, you know, the clones were soldiers. They were trained like soldiers. The Empire really has everything in the bag, and they don't really need clones anymore. Otherwise, they would keep making clones. Uh, what they need is just like a bunch of guys in armor who can kind of shoot. And if you get enough of them, they can most likely hit your target. I mean, this is the big contradiction, right? So we have this empire that can control thousands of planets, that can build planet-destroying weapons, that can that can send uh, ships, you know, space-faring ships across the galaxy that have just incredible... They Like the scientists and engineers in the Star Wars universe that work for the, the Empire must be incredible. And yet they can't teach some guys to shoot. Like you can't send a guy like like one hour a day to do target practice. Like To be fair, Preston, let's... Military. let's our, 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 our heroes have literal plot armor. Let's be, let's be clear. Our, lead, our heroes <laughs> I mean, have literal plot armor. They do have literal plot armor. And, and, and I should, we should have seen more of that, but... Um, like I well, just kind of you know, did though. Like like Mando throws himself in front of the like the repeating like heavy blast. Right, he does. He does get hit. He does get hit. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, I'll, well, I'll to be fair, that. it was a narrow corridor. Like <laughs> right, not I I just I did not like the line um, that they that they couldn't hit the side of a bantha. Like like I just think I think it's just really dumb to to reinforce this idea that stormtroopers are are not good at their job. It takes away everything. Like, then what? Then what's the point? You know, like they're <laughs> buffoons. Okay. No, I agree. Then, then what I is, agree. What is my What is my protagonist fighting against? You know, what are What are his challenges? What are his challenges that he has to overcome? Oh, not nothing. See, it would make more sense if like the Death Troopers we saw last time with Gideon actually were like you know fearsome dudes because yeah. Death Troopers are supposed to be the best of the best, the elite of the lead. They're they're the stormtroopers yeah. in black armor. I mean, it's like Return of the Jedi. That was supposed to, that was supposed to be the the most highly trained battalion. That is fuck. That's right. It was such. I mean, I hate Return of the Jedi. I think it's a horrible, horrible movie. Um, I, 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 it's, it's, it's. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's my least favorite Star Wars movie, but it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's down there. I, I think, think I read somewhere that originally it wasn't supposed to be Ewoks. It was supposed to be Wookiees, which would make yeah. sense. They've always been used as slave labor. No, but it's just it's just stupid stuff like like, oh, there's there's some knocking on the top of our our ATST. I'll just open the hatch, and you're just like, oh god, like what <laughs> what? Or somebody radios in and goes like, oh, the, the, we're defeating them. Send everybody outside. So and you're like, come on, like who would do that? Like who would do that? Like really, all of my sensors show so something completely different. 
You know, every other person with a communication device can't be reached or is dead. What What do you mean? <laughs> like <laughs> that movie and that that movie and, and that precedent is what is what's showing up in Mandalorian. You know, like, oh, a teddy bear has stolen my bike. Let's send everybody after him. <laughs> like, come on, uh, come on. <laughs> like, no one would do that. You know, what really fucked up uh, Return of the Jedi for me, in a sense. Um, yeah, it's the scene where. They're trying to bypass um, with the shuttle, shuttle to Tiderian or whatever, and yeah. uh, they're about to land on Endor. And then Leia puts her hand on Han's shoulder. You can see that coke nail. I, I yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. I can't ever unsee that, and you it can't really fucks. It's Yo. like the car- you know, it's like the Carrie scene from the first one. Carrie, do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that? that. I've heard about it. I, I think they every every one I've seen, they took it out. It, oh, really? Yeah, when, when Luke comes back from the Death Star, I mean, some people say, no, he's saying, hey, but it sounds like he's going, Carrie, Mandalore. <laughs> Best episode so, so far. So, yeah, no, I mean, well, I, look, I thought it was okay. You're definitely, I mean, the fan service just definitely excited you. you really? You so thought it was okay? We got, we got everything. We got story progression. We killed a couple of stormtroopers. We got, like, the Empire. <laughs> the bad guy showed up for, like, a minute on the thing. Like, we got... Kick-ass female, kick-ass female too, like, <laughs> sea monsters, you know, like, aliens, you fight aliens, like, twice, like, like come on, it's like, it got every, slapstick, it has everything you could possibly want in a Star Wars television show. No, not, not the best episode? No, I don't know. I mean, it, I, 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 I really like the planet. I really like the design of everything. I just, I, I was a little thrown off by the transition from one scene to another. Like, wait a minute. I flew you to this planet to find out where the Mandalorians are and you're sending me to a fucking bar? To, to Like, I didn't transport that bar across the galaxy and fight a freaking ice spider, okay? You just, you just pass the buck. Like, right, like, what? And he goes in and then... You know, again, people betray him for his armor. And then you killed my brother. Like, he has to get rescued twice. And I feel then, like the Mandalorian should wear a cloak. Because he's literally a walking target, if you I think know. about it. It's just, yeah. <laughs> he's I mean, literally a walking target. I did I did really like the Bosch character. I mean, I like any character that's going to be formidable. You know, mm-hmm. like, he's a true believer. So he's going to, like, stop their, stop their uh, you know, their their mission, you know. Yeah, long live um, the empire. Yeah, that was weird, right? I didn't know anybody that was that was that uh, fanatical that, in the empire. Yeah, that was fa- that fanatical in the empire, right? I mean, you kind of like, have only, to be right now. They're on their last legs. The only the only people that you'd think would be like the um, the 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 redhead guy from from the new trilogy who who ended up being the traitor, <laughs> General Hux. General Hux, right? And then it turns out no. What General I will say Hux didn't is, make any sense is they could have just gone into like orbit. And then light speed to the fleet and had the fleet surround them and ju- just send waves and waves of guys after them. Or to take out the problem permanently, just have them go into light speed to the fleet and have the fleet destroy that fucking ship. Ending well, everything. We, all, we all know that like light speed, like transportation does not make sense in the Star Wars universe at all. So like you, you have to start with that premise that there is no logic to transportation. So you can't, you know, you can't use that. I mean, Empire Strikes Back makes no sense, when, you know, when it comes to like 
how they're getting from one place to another in the passage of time. Like that makes no, like it just makes no sense. And the last Jedi um, makes no sense when it comes to like light speed and, and all of that. So, you know, we got to, we got to start with that premise that you can't use light speed as, as you know, anything. So, I guess, I guess, yeah. but uh, overall, I actually really liked this episode. It was great. Um, I had a good time with it. Better than last episode. Holy shit. <laughs> I, th- I think the next episode is, is the episode where Carl Weathers directed. So we might just get a Carl, we- Carl Weathers, uh, Grief Karga, Cara Dune episode. Catching up with what's going on with them. So, yeah. Um, is there any, did anyone special direct this episode? Or is it just... Uh... Uh, I, I saw it. It's, it was Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, that's right. It was uh, Ron Howard's daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. For speaking of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That did, so, actually, you know, I remember seeing that and being like, huh, she directed. It was, it was a well-directed episode, I, I, I will say that. Um, it, it kept me engaged. Um, it, had, it had, yeah, no. No, it was, it, was, it was pretty good. It was fine. It was fine. I think, I, I, I think it's just, it's very interesting seeing the disparity between, like, the fanboy who knows all the background um, and just like a regular viewer. Even the, even the fanboying, like all the, like the background stuff aside, it was still a great episode. Like you, like this is everything the Mandalorian could possibly give us. We get empire stormtroopers, uh, Mm. more Mandos, different Mandos, uh, hot chick kicking ass. I do. I do appreciate the fact that I feel like a plot is, is brewing after what, what episode is this? (laughs) This is third, the third episode of second season. So, 13th episode? Yeah. <laughs> after, after 13 episodes, we feel like there's, a, there's finally a plot brewing. Well, I, f- I feel like the overall plot is Mando trying to get the child back to his people while also uh, staving off attacks and uh, remnants of the Empire, especially this one particular group of remnants, uh, Moff Gideon's group. So Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Moff Gideon is not gonna let Mando go off like that easy. Like I, Moff Gideon has some weird connection to Mandalorians, and I feel as though he either wants to kill all of them or just take everything they could possibly have. Well, he somehow got that dark saber and feels like he needs to keep it, right? And 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 Moff Gideon also yes, and and he also wants the child. Right. So how that how they're all related is kind of is not hasn't been explained yet right like why the mandalorians will be able to take him like why the mandalorians would know where the jedi are um because uh bo katan and ahsoka have a history together like like i showed you in the picture yeah, on facebook yeah, yeah. they went through the siege of mandalore together so uh bo katan doesn't know where all the jedi is she just knows where one is and ahsoka is not really a jedi not anymore um but it's the, she's the closest thing that bo knows to a jedi um, somebody brought up this this kind of interesting plot point where, um, uh, again, this gets back to when you meet one person of a species, you assume all the species are similar. Mm-hmm. We have no proof that Yoda's species are overwhelmingly good. True. Right? Like, we, it could be that, like, Yoda's species are actually, like, very susceptible to falling to the dark side. And they need, like, guidance from a young age. That is also very true. Like, 
having the force, you're you're just connected on a deeper level with your emotions and your mental psyche. And when you when you when you when you're a force wheeler, when you're a force user, and you're angry, you're not just angry; you're fucking furious. Like with Kylo yeah. Ren, you know, like it amplifies your emotions because you're in tuned with like everything around you. So that is true. Maybe Mandalor Mando is also teaching the child to uh, essentially just uh, be a good person by doing all these good deeds. Maybe all these side right. quests have a have a purpose. Right. You know, like maybe the reason that Jedi have to be trained from a very very young age is because if you get them later, they're going to they're going to be too rage focused. And so it was really freaking lucky that Mando got this got uh the kid because otherwise, you know, it would have been a it would have been a Sith Yoda. And we don't want Sith Yoda. We've seen what that there was like a like a, a brief in legends uh account of that. Uh, where Yoda, for like a second, goes to the dark side and it scares the shit out of Count oh, Dooku. Re- oh, really? Yeah, it scares the shit out of Count <laughs> Dooku. So. And there, w- there would be a, um, there would be an extended universe, no longer canon story about that, wouldn't there? There, there's, there. I, I don't know if it's canon. There's an extended universe story, Legends, no, not canon, uh, where Jar Jar's father gets stranded on a on a on an island at, out at sea with Jar Jar, and it's oh, all I'm Jar Jar's fault. Like, yeah, no, like. Man, if I saw that on the bookshelf, I'd be like, wait, a story about Jar Jar's father? I need to read that. Where, where Jar Jar gets him stranded on an island and Jar Jar's father is so fucking depressed and pissed off at this, he tries to kill himself. <laughs> Misa, so sad. Misa, I need to kill myself. <laughs> really? This is a thing? This is a thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is a fucking thing. You can look it up. Uh, you, know what's, you know what's funny? You know what's funny is that like, now, like the, the the Gungan, the Gungan voice is like the only racist voice you can now say anymore because it's not a real, real accent or a real people, right? Like, if, if <laughs> I it guess were, if, it were, if it were real people or a real accent, it would be inappropriate, inappropriate, right? But because like they're fictionalized, you can just be like Misa, Misa's so depressed, and like, oh, the Gungans. <laughs> Oh, uh, Presley, let's wrap this up. Um, All right. You thought the episode was okay. I thought oh, it was amazing. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, that's, is there anything else we could discuss about this episode? No, no. I mean, uh, you know, thankfully you, thankfully you explained to me this Mandalorian history. I'm sure people in the comments are like, how dare you, Preston, review something where you don't know everything. You know everything about ice and fire. Why don't you know everything about... The extended universe. And I was like, that's why I have Carmine. This is why we have a partnership. This is our partnership. He covers, he knows everything about Star Wars. That's his, that's his thing. I don't know everything. I know, I know, a, I know a couple right. of stuff. I know, I, know, I know a lot about Star Wars, but I don't have the Carmine knowledge. Carmine knows a lot about Ice and Fire. He doesn't have quite my knowledge. And that's our balance. That you know? is true. That is you know, this there. is what we this is this is our thing. It's our <laughs> thing. This is this this is how it works. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Mando Podcast. Whatever this is, we'll see you next time <laughs> with uh, episode four. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Have a good one. <laughs>